This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. Hey, TJ, here we are again with a next episode as we gather together again, uh, see how things are going. This, we're back to our normal stuff. I know last episode, we uh, had our, our, our third party with Marcus and just a great conversation with him and, and what God's doing uh, in his church and the, the Bible Belt, again, here from a whole different context of ministry, So, which is kind of fun. But uh, like I said, as we look at at where we are, we're both in the Pacific Northwest, but still in very different uh, cultures, right? And, and me being in the Boise area in Idaho and you in Seattle. So like I said, it was fun to hear his perspective uh, from Mississippi as well. It's, uh, you know, Marcus is, is one of those, like you said, one of those people that loves to engage in this way, loves to have a, a conversation with folk. Uh, you know, so if, you know, we've talked about this before, if there's ever something that you have, um, he'd be honestly willing to have the conversation with you. And so uh, I think that that's really good. That is in his DNA. And um, I'm glad that God's equipped him in that way and that he was able to make it. And so, yeah, glad that glad that Marcus was able to join us. So, yeah, like I said, it was, it was fun for us, kind of change it up a little bit. Hopefully it was fun for you guys as an audience to hear something a little different, hear a little different voice, uh, yeah. you know, than, than just, just the two of us. But so here we are, though, back. Uh, just leading our churches right in our context and just all the different things that come at us and, and yet here uh, here we are in the the fall and I don't, I don't know uh, you know necessarily in Seattle if the weather really changes that much in Seattle I know uh, here in Idaho it definitely does we have all four seasons and so uh, but as we're in the midst of the the weather changing seasons changing we are on the right on the verge of holiday season and I know that's something that we deal with in churches a lot because we have this kind of ebb and flow of our calendar and we have our cultural calendar with like our, you know, our different holidays that we celebrate. We also have our spiritual calendar, right? When we take those holidays like Christmas and Easter that are major holidays for our faith, right? That are centered in that. Uh, but so today what I thought we could just talk about how do we navigate just the calendar as pastors uh, and what do we do and not do necessarily for uh, different holidays? And as they come around, how many of those do we adjust for? Do we not? Because um, there's lots of different ways that we can handle it. So um, I don't know. Sound like something we could tackle today? Yeah, uh, let's let's do it. I'm I'm going to jump in. I've been a part of other churches, but also we're establishing like like this whole thing's about these uh, you know coming to an established church and do these things exist and remembering that also I've stepped in during a time of COVID when some of these things weren't able to even exist because of other reasons. So again, yeah. solidifying why we have them, why they're there. Um, yeah. So we can jump into that. So, well, so the next holiday around, cause here we are in mid October as we're recording this. So the next holiday that's coming up is Halloween. And this is one that's probably a little 
more controversial if i mean that's probably too strong of a word but more controversial in the church because there are some believers who take a hard stance on halloween that it is not a godly holiday that it's you know it's about ghosts and witches and and we would say demons right or whatever and and so they kind of take that hard stance of like nope we just don't do anything for halloween uh, you know, all the way probably to the other end. I don't even know, but I, I remember there was, when I was in college, there was a church that literally hosted a haunted house, like in their church building. And like, it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of weird dichotomy, right? Of like, of what, how do you handle it? What do you do um, now? And I talked about it last week, even with Marcus, that, that, that we as at Oregon Trail, one of the things that we've done here is we host a trunk or treat event. I know that's a pretty popular thing. It's become a really popular thing in, in recent years, right? Uh, where not just churches, but like daycares and shopping malls. And, you know, I mean, everybody does a trunk or treat. It seems like some version of it. Um, so like I said, that's one of the things that we do as a church. And that's one of the way, and we see it as a huge outreach event. And so that's kind of where we're coming from is that we don't do this event for us. And again, like you can do, like Marcus said, they did a harvest festival. It was more kind of focused on the people in their church. We use this event as one thinking like, well, our culture is out looking for something to do on Halloween night, right? And and even as our world's changed, like some people are just not comfortable taking their kids, you know, trick-or-treating to strangers' houses and kind of whatever. So they said, we've taken the opportunity in our community and there weren't a lot of trunk-or-treats out in our area of the valley where we're at. And so we have done that every year that I've been at Oregon Trail. Like, and as I shared last week, that was one of the events that kind of brought hope into our congregation of realizing that the that the community would show up to stuff that we were doing. So like I said, we use it as an outreach event. We use it as an opportunity to, to show the community that we care about them, that we're here for them. And, and so we provide them with free hot dogs, free candy, you know, uh, from the trunks at our, at our facility, a safe place for them to take their kids just around our parking lot. That's all, you know, roped off. And, and then we have them go down in our gym and they do some carnival games and some stuff down there. Uh, so they said, that's our event. That's one of the, and that's the way we handle Halloween. And, and, but at the same time, as I told you right before we got on, I literally got an email this morning from a lady in our church. And again, she, she just said, she's like, I'm glad our church is doing this. I see the value in it. She's like, but just my personal conviction is I just can't be involved. And, and it it would be a hindrance to my faith. And just in her story and things, I, I get that. And I told her, and literally I talked to her today and I said, I understand where you're coming from. I have no problem with that. And I don't want you to do anything that God doesn't want you to do, right? Or that's going to hinder your faith journey. And so I'm like, you have my blessing to not participate, right? And like, and ultimately that was kind of her, her, you know, worry. Cause you know, as I've said, I'm like, Hey, we can need to do this. Let's come together as a church. And she's like, I want to, she's like, I'm all in with our church and I want to help, but I just can't. And I'm like, and so again, she kind of needed my blessing. Uh, not that she needed that, but she felt like she wanted that, right? To, to not participate for her personal reasons. And again, I absolutely uh, encouraged her in that. And I said, no, you need to do what God convicts you to do in your own heart. Um, you know, as at the same time is, and I know she's not, and that's where she's at, but we had a conversation. It was like, but also, you know, she can take that position personally, but then there's something very different, which unfortunately we sometimes see in the church, right. Is somebody will take that stance and then kind of recruit other people, you know, or, or create this maybe divisive spirit within the church of like, well, we shouldn't be doing that at all. And, and again, and she was not like that at all, but, but yeah, I, wanted to have a conversation with her, right? Just to make sure that it didn't turn into something, you know, potentially harming, right? Of, of the event or of just the unity of our church. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think um, maybe to, to jump in before I, I describe ours is part of the thing that I would say that we, we look at when we do it is, um, is the thing, why are we doing it? Because <laughs> that's been uh, just the basic starting point with ours, not just because we've always done it, but is there a need? Um, is there an opportunity? And then yeah. kind of, you know, kind of like we do in our own life, like what does God's word say about it? And and so I think if that one, I think if it causes her to stumble, I, I get that as well. But like, I think we do events with the opportunity to get engagement so that things are no longer just like um, a head knowledge, but they give an opportunity for our faith to live itself out and application uh, gets a chance to be demonstrated and take root. And so I think whenever you have an event, um, those opportunities to serve, like you just described in yours, I, I, I think someone that maybe comes around to your church and says, well, I don't sing, so I can't be a part of the worship team or play an instrument. And um, I, you know, don't pass around the offering plate by the way, most churches don't do that anymore. But it, you know, if I didn't do that, or I don't teach Sunday school as a man, like, what is my role like in church? I'm not, I'm not a greeter or an usher in that sense. I'm not teaching a Sunday school and I don't play an instrument. Like I, my job is to show up and bring my family, I guess. And so yeah. I think like that can be uh, pivoted in that way that you can have somebody now um, cooking hot dogs and the fact that they want to bring their Traeger grill that they get geeked out on that they love to be a part of that and cook hot dogs, if they so be it. Um, that's their way of using their time, talent and treasure to uh, give back to the kingdom. And so yeah. again, they might not be looking at it uh, completely under the auspice of like, Hey, I'm doing ghosts and goblins. They're looking at it from, Hey, I get to cook and help meet this point of need. And so I think having events where people can serve and the opportunity to be the hands and feet. I think that's um, always important. So I just wanted to touch on that piece before. Yeah. Now, historically, um, I've been a part of growing up and stuff, churches that have taken that stance that you said that um, we don't even touch it with Trunk or Treat. We're going to do a harvest party and, and you dressed as if you even did costumes, you know, it got relaxed a little bit we had to come as Bible characters, you know, and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, there was like always the, uh, the, the Christian version of it. And so um, I, I've kind of run the gamut on all of those things. Um, you know, that uh, the harvest party is, is that, that uh, it's in place of. Um, and so again, I would just probably look at those things of why are we doing it? Um, are we giving, like you said, an alternative for those cultures conditioned to do that? Can we invite them into a relationship that is maybe not as um, in your face or uh, demonic or, or any of those other things that you kind of described in that? So I think for us, um, we didn't have a history of doing trunk or treat here. Um, but we did one last year in the middle of COVID and it was a success. And so um, we had probably, oh gosh, let's see, probably about 40 cars that chose to participate. And of those, um, I would say half were probably almost families from our child center. And so these are again, families that we don't uh, worship with on a Sunday but they saw the value in that. And because their kids come here for a child center purpose, and again, kind of being a need meeting part in that need defined in this context, as you were saying, was 
um, our families in a metropolitan area like this, there's always an opportunity, but you just don't know for safety and even during time. So ours is strategically like from three to five before it even gets dark because we have younger families. And so they're not out in the, you know, safety wise and some of those things. And uh, one of the things that I was most excited about um, was, uh, you know, like one of our board members made a candy shoot during COVID time. So it was like this huge, like PVC pipe, contraption that went down and then came up and he had this huge blower attached to it so he dropped candy in it and then hit this thing and candy would like shoot up in the air and kids could like get it and it would be like around them and so anyhow just finding fun ways like that so like now i've just touched on i basically had an engineer use his gift set to create something that wasn't your normal pass out candy thing yeah. um, people that have artistic abilities i mean they're decorating a trunk and they can geek out and some people are going to take this extremely far if it was left up to me um i live in like amazon country but i would be buying like the all-in-one inclusive kit that, that kind of comes pre-assembled um a because my time is uh limited at sorts and then even just the creativity sometimes i might not be able to come up with the best part so i'm not saying yeah. that's a free out but i'm saying again there's some people that they hear this and they're running with it they just enjoy that so we have that it was one way that we're able to, and in fact, again, now this year, as we serve um, through what we have in our neighborhood called the Maple Leaf Community Council, they usually have kind of uh, historically a parade route that they have that they go through and they create an opportunity for families to uh, say, hey, yes, we're on that route. You can get candy from us. They can do things. And it's from a neighbor and it's kind of vetted. And so it kind of removes some of those um, apprehensions for, for parents. They're not doing that this year. So again, that not being available, um, this is allowing a spot where we can step into that gap once again and, and do that. So last year was more for our church families and um, you know our, our child center families, but it now will expand more to the community, I'm sure this year. And so again, that's our next one like yours as we record here like you know getting into late october and that's about to you know be here in the next uh you know we're a little over a week out so um i think that's what we do that's why we do it again we have talked about things all over the place of you know sometimes it doesn't fit for a place sometimes it doesn't work yeah. in coming to an established church have we done it does it need a the the ability to reach the community is there, but maybe it, things have changed since then. Um, I know in Boise, yeah, like a lot of churches do trunk or treat. So you're kind of like a competing one with that. So maybe you have to set yourself apart from that in the sense of, yeah, we're not going to be just this trunk or treat church like everyone else, because there's one literally down on the next corner. Maybe you have to find ways to engage. But again, that's when you're doing these things, what are you, that would go back to, again, how would I define an event? would be, what do we have in our church family that sets us apart? Like, what do we have that we can utilize those gifts and talents during this time? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, I think that's probably the takeaway for any of us, whether you're an established church or, you know, or a brand new church plant, right? But of you need to know why you do it, you know, for anything you do, not just a holiday event, right? But yeah. again, whether it's small groups, right? Or even your youth group or your kids ministry, 
you know, I, I mean, to men's and women's ministry, I mean, you can take that to anything in the church. Like, why do we do it? If, if the only reason you're doing it is, well, because we've just always done it and we like it. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with fun for fun's sake, right? And, and I think that's, you know, and again, that is a part of the church, right? We can get together and have a good time. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I think that if, again, the point being, you need to define what your goal is and your purpose for anything that you do especially when it comes to holidays, because it is, it's easy to get sucked into just, well, we've always done it, or this is what we do at this holiday and, and, and to lose the heart of why you do it. And like I said, I think it's okay. As long as you just admit the truth about it, right. Just like, that was one of the things that Marcus said, like where their harvest party thing is like, it was a very, in, you know, inner focus thing. And that's what they needed at that season. And that would, and that's an okay purpose. I'll tell you. So, like I said, for us, right. Halloween is a very, community focused thing it's an outward thing right and we do that on purpose and we say that from the beginning right like we are not doing this for our kids and our church families we are doing this for our community you know people who don't come to Oregon Trail which is why we need to be here to put it on for them but again we do other events that are focused inner you know on our church family I just said the next one right is Thanksgiving and like I said we have done at Oregon Trail we've done like a Thanksgiving feast you know with our all it's like one of the few all church like potluck type things that we do uh you know and we do that once a year like i said again we didn't do it last year because of covid um but and so now there's already this huge buzz this year about us getting to you know getting to do it again and people are excited about it and there's a lot of you know newer people in the church that have never been to it since we didn't do it last year right and so you know kind of around and so they said there's this cool buzz about our thanksgiving feast thing coming up too and that event is again it's a holiday centered thing but it is it's literally our goal is we're not inviting the community. I mean, it is for our church family. And like, you know, we still encourage them to invite the, like their extended family or close friends, like they can bring people to it, but, but it's not, but again, we're not like putting up banners, you know, outside on the corner, like we do for trunk or treat, you know, or for Christmas Eve service, right. Or those kind of things that we invite the community to and want people to show up that don't come to Oregon trail. Like I said, this event is specific on our, just, we're, blatant about our purpose right our purpose is for us to get together and have a good time together yeah right? as as a church family i think that 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 purpose uh, is important because i think you have to understand um you know what is the event is it evangelistic uh to extend like you said like outreach is it um you know insular like was the word i think marcus used for your own purpose um because sometimes you need those and then I would say um, another thing that we've also had to do is not only the why, not only the purpose, but another thing that you can put into this category is the scorecard. What is successful? Like at the end of this, what do you hope to accomplish? Right. I think that has to yeah. go into the conversation as well as like, yeah, absolutely. If, if you know, it's an outreach thing and you can invite just exposure to get five new people on campus, then is that worth it? And, and I think if you can come to the point of saying, yeah, that's worth it, we would love to just incorporate people. Then I think you can walk away from that with a win. And again, as these things are there, or as they're difficult, or, you know, even for you, as we re-engage with these things, if even though people want to see your feast, if you never know what the winds of what's happening right now, at least in Seattle, but even by definition, that feast could usually be 300 people, but because, you know, fear or, or otherwise or, or heightened um, restrictions, 
maybe you only get 150. So again, do you get put in a position to be like, oh my gosh, well, we failed. I mean, we got half of what we normally would get. And so I think understanding where you're at, what are the times and those things, I'll give you one that is um, in that realm for me. So I've been here now, um, let's see, uh, February will be two years. But coming in February, it was really quick that two months later, Easter came upon us. Well, if you remember, March was when the world shut down. So one of the things that we're known for is having a sunrise service at Green Lake on the water. And so pandemic comes a month before that shuts down. We don't have it. This year rolls around. Things kind of get heightened again. And the park won't let us rent the park. And we're not allowed to do it. Um, some people were like, well, let's just go and storm it. Let's do it anyhow. But, you know, again, you got to remember yeah. that is your part of this and your purpose is, um, you know, you're bearing witness in these things. So like, if we tell the city, we want to help you, but they just told us no. And we say, well, forget you. We don't care what you say. We're going to do it anyhow. That's probably not bearing the best witness. So yeah, absolutely. that, that, that takes into account. So then, you know, the first two years now, I haven't been able to do it. Now they're saying in year three, there's an amphitheater that's there that historically they had like performances and diving acts and all these things. Now they're saying they are um, going to be doing construction. So now this next year in spring, we're not gonna be able to do it. So I'll be here in three years. We haven't been able to th do the thing that we've been known for or that we appreciate. And now the cynical side of me would also maybe interject another layer here would say um at what point i mean I, I think those things are real things we've walked through them but if i got a fourth year from them of like oh yeah now we only rent these things on these times uh, part of that might be that our local government is saying hey we don't want you here but we can't say that so you have to be in tune to again the sure. community you're serving in and i don't know that we're there yet but there is a part of me that's like man i'm gonna be here for my fourth Easter, even if it's a full-blown go, before I even get to see this thing. And so, again, yeah. sometimes when you come into established church, you think, let me have a year to see how this plays itself out. Does it still meet the mark? Is it still these things? But the reality there, it's a little bit more complicated, at least in this context, for me in this particular event. Sure. Well, and, and I think the reality, let's just, I mean, call it out. I mean, the reality is COVID has made everything more complicated. And I think especially even when you look at, again, how do you celebrate holidays as a, in, in within your faith community, within your church? I mean, that's one of the things that has been complicated, right? I mean, by it. And and again, those traditions, like I said, like, and thinking back to that, even, you know, because that was, again, that first Easter, I remember, you know, when everything, because everything shut down, right? I mean, that was, no matter where you were in the country, no matter what it was, like everybody was shut down for that Easter. And I remember there was all this buzz around the, the you know, even pastoral community, right? Of, you know, and people making all these, they're like, oh, we'll never have to, you know, not gather for Easter. And then all of a sudden, like we did, we didn't, right? Like nobody could gather for Easter. And, and, and which I think brings up the thing, especially as we transition to those, those faith specific holidays. And I think that is where, I think we were, and we were all forced to ask that question, even on that Easter was, you know, what are the traditions, even of our faith and of those holidays that, that are grounding to our faith? I mean, Easter and Christmas are the two major ones, obviously, right? Birth of Christ and resurrection of Christ. I mean, when we look at those things, but like, maybe we have these traditions, right? That we celebrate in certain ways um, that, that 
likely enhance the, the celebration of a holiday as a church family. But I think we still have to sit down and ask the question, though, again, the same questions that we already said, right? Like, well, why do we do this? Like, what's the real point of this holiday? Again, is the point of Easter to, you know, to put on this dramatic, you know, huge, like, draw, you know, dramatization pr presentation of the, you know, resurrection. Again, and churches do that. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that, but you know, a lot do. I mean, there's one in our community here in Nampa, just again, in our neighboring that has done it for so many years. Right. And like everybody goes to this one church at Easter to watch, watch this play. Right. I mean, and they like, I mean, they do it all the way. I mean, they have like live animals on the stage and the whole, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Right. And, but again, to say that, like, can we celebrate that, you know, the grounding of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus without that tradition? And I think that's where we have to ask that question of, man, is this tradition even healthy, right? Is it, is it helping our church move forward or, you know, cause again, and I've, I've, I've known people that go to that church to do that production and like, they kind of, I mean, some people have literally stopped going there just cause they're like, well, cause we don't want to, it's, it's a huge drain, right? I'm like, on the time commitment and the resources that that pours into that production every year. And God, yeah. they're like, and, and we've just, we've, it's lost it's, it's point, you know? And, and so again, like, like there's, it's hard to navigate those things. I think in COVID has kind of forced us in some ways to ask those questions. And again, I mean, even myself as a pastor, like, and how do we celebrate Easter when we can't gather together? Right. And, and yet we need to, cause it's grounding to our faith. Right. And, and even in that, like, you know, Easter Sunday in a lot of churches, it has been for us has been a huge outreach opportunity, right? There are a lot of people that go to church on Easter, right? They don't go at any other time of the year. And, and so, you know, we've had seen some of our, I mean, largest weekend attendance numbers are always Easter Sunday is like the, the top, you know, the biggest Sunday of the year. Um, and, you know, and then all of a sudden we had to do it online, right? Or do something different. And like that, that was, that was tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, again, and, and not to be cliche, but we both serve in this movement called the Church of God, and we have this tagline. Like, I, I think, you know, the why could also be defined in a sense of with a filter that says, is Jesus the subject? And I think if it's outside of that, then it becomes a little bit more difficult because I think oftentimes now um, you talked about the two most prominent religious holidays and you know centered around those easter sunday christmas we talk usually about advent and and some of those things that usually come into play as well but you know there's this this big push from society that there are these other holidays and that they also are vying for that sunday right like when you have a mother's day when you have a father's day when you have those things and if you don't honor them how can they become divisive or you know, even from the other side of, oh, well, you, you highlighted mothers and you gave chocolates away. And for Easter, you didn't do that. You're placing that over the resurrection. And, and I mean, I'm tongue in cheek to some of this, but these are things sure. that we literally hear from time to time that people get, um, you know, upset, frustrated. Um, and I think they're only going to continue to grow, right? Like as we have these things as culture tries to creep its way into the church in the sense of whatever holiday or whatever thing may come its way um you know like in boise it was so much easier um to celebrate uh, like holidays more with 
patriotism attached to it. That's not necessarily the case here in Seattle. Um, and for some people, even those that served, you can find those that say, well, uh, you know, I come to worship um, and I come to, uh, you know, have a Sabbath with God. But honestly, like I was a part of that and I lost brothers or sisters um, in the war. And so to actually highlight those things on that Sunday, um, actually, I deal more with like survival guilt or remorse and those things. And so it's really difficult when you highlight those things for me to even come. And so again, yeah, if those things, although in nature and in intent, they may be rooted in the sense of we want to honor, um, sometimes those very things can be off-putting. And so again, is Jesus the unifying piece in that of if you say, hey, no greater love than one has than to lay down his life for another, and that kind of shifts to a point of we say that but here is the ultimate one that laid down his life as a sacrificial lamb for us and, and that takes a different tone in the sense of that it's about jesus as opposed to glorifying or those things just as much as i'm the biggest you know sports fan and stuff we've talked about golf and all those things like my voice is still not recovered from me yelling at the seahawks losing in overtime to huh. a, a team that will go unmentioned but like you know, like I still wouldn't make a holiday uh, that would supersede what we're trying to do as a church, right? So yeah. anyhow, those things I think are, are part of um, the hardship, you know, is like, what, what do we have and not allowing those events or things to hijack the mission of our church? So again, as yeah. you, you, you have the whys, you have those things, if we have a mission statement, to engage with our community. Um, you talk about it in a journey fashion for your church, but if it's not coherent or, or, or cohesive with that piece, um, then it's probably something that, that could also be a, a disqualifier of, again, why are we doing this? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, again, you bring up a really good point. I, and I think, cause I, and I want to come back to the to Christmas and Easter and those faith ones. But I think before that, as you bring up like things, you know, those holidays, like Mother's Day, Father's Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, you know, July 4th. I mean, you have these, again, these, these different holidays that really have nothing to do with our faith necessarily. Right. And, and yeah, I think it would be, it's easy to kind of spin it or tweak it or massage it into this, you know, Christian thing when, when these holidays aren't, aren't inherently Christian. And like, but, but they are kind of still against something in our, just in our culture, right. That we celebrate. And again, and, and, but I agree. I think you have to ask those kind of questions about, man, what do we do on those holidays? Because like you said, whether it's patriotism, you know, again, even like a veterans day or Memorial day, like you said, you can bring up some really painful memories and, and experiences for people depending on their story. And I think the same is true for mother's day and father's day. And I think that's one of the things, that's one of the things that Tom kind of taught me right? You know, again, Tom, as we both served under Tom at Cloverdale, like that, I remember that was one of the things that he came out with. And, and we talked about even as a staff at that church, um, the first couple of years I was there was, was what do we do? Cause we want to acknowledge, you know, uh, mothers and fathers in that day. I mean, that's, you know, they're important. They have the legacy of faith and, you know, the, all those kinds of things, but at the same time, like those days can be very, um, hurting, right. And bring up some really hard memories for people too. You know, again, I've, I mean, a couple that's struggling with infertility, right? Like Mother's and Father's Day can be the hardest days, 
right. You know, or somebody who's lost a kid. And, you know, I think you think about Tom and Denise, like they, again, they lost Luke. Right. And he died when he was five years old. And again, like those days can, can bring up those really hard memories. And again, and I've heard of people saying that like, no, I will not go to church on mother's day and father's day, just because I just don't want to, you know, they're like you said, like, I want to go there to worship. I don't want to go there to be reminded of these painful seasons of my life, right. Or these struggles that I've had. And so, so again, I think we can even do a disservice maybe in our churches, like I said, if we make the focus on that holiday and not on Jesus for that Sunday. And like I said, we always try to tweak it, you know, and take our own creativity and, you know, look at the best father in the Bible and, you know, or whatever, we've all heard those like, you know, holiday specific sermons or like whatever. And so, but personally for me, like I've never planned sermons around those types of holidays, Hmm. right? Like, I I mean, we just, I mean, we have our, you know, whatever my teaching plan, our sermon series, if we're going through a book, like we don't stop or pause it because it's father's day or mother's day or the 4th of July or whatever. Right. I mean, those days. And like I said, we usually acknowledge it, like I said, and you know, whether we give all all the women in our church, a gift on mother's day or whatever. And again, we just say, even if you're not a mom, like you, you know, you we value you and you know, there's all kinds of things like you can do different stuff to that, but we don't like, I don't make those sermon centric holidays, right? Like I don't preach. I mean, purposely don't preach a specific, you know, holiday message for that. Um, now again, there's all those that now to say, I do preach and plan my sermon teaching around Christmas and Easter, right. As, as I'm sure every pastor does, I would expect. Um, but the thing I want to bring up about those, though, as we circle back to those, is there is also this balance and how do we handle it in the church between the cultural Christmas, right, and the religious Christmas. Right, so, and, and the same as in Easter, right? I mean, again, Christmas, you have the baby in the manger and you have Santa Claus, right, and the reindeer. Right, in Easter, you have, again, the resurrection, right, the passion of the Christ, and you have the Easter bunny and the candy and, you know, the Easter egg hunts, right? And so how, I'm just throwing that out, right? How do we handle that within the church? And how do we keep Jesus the subject even on those holidays? Yeah, I think you have to tell the story. And I was just looking at, you know, I mean, this is a little bit off topic to some degree, but I think it's relevant in the sense of, you know, coming to it with love and knowing the significance that Christ played. So like, even when, you know, I was telling someone this the other day, when we look at something like that we're familiar with, like the act of communion is we do this in remembrance of him, reminding ourselves that, uh, you know, Jesus is the subject here still. And it was about, a new covenant, right? That's, that's how we look at that. And, and when we look at a covenant, it's not just like, it's not a whimsical thing that we look at nowadays. Like, you know, we can get in and out of marriage or we can get divorced or we can do these things like that covenant was to death. And so God being a just God in this narrative that he is telling us in this redemptive grace, in the story of him sending his son, and then his son is the atoning sacrifice is prior to that and we know this to be true we have a lot of these issues that are um works-based and things that you know were on us and god had this posture of like you know i'll wipe out uh, this these people from the face of the earth when jesus comes on the scene we can see these things and so when we say 
doing this in remembrance of me in these holidays, we know that we are rooted after the cross. But sometimes the, these things can be judgmental in the sense of um, even when people show up on these days, like fight the urge if we're having these services that are that way, like to be, well, I love the fact that I got unwarranted grace, but I think the rest of the people that are coming to faith now should have to earn it, <laughs> like from that standpoint. But okay, I'm getting off topic, but like at the point of saying, like, Jesus has to be the central focus for this. Like, and I mean, triune God from that standpoint of what took place, why is that of great significance, and why do we have hope moving forward in a hopeless place so that we don't lose uh, we don't cheapen that that we don't um see that being different but again like i just think that those things carry so much weight because they're the parts where we can stop and take pause and we can understand um those things and I, i'm not just saying that i don't want to diminish old testament stuff this isn't like a oh because we have this new covenant and god paid that price again death did it was until death by his son so now this one is in play um like i don't want to diminish that and say it's only new testament because in knowing that that christmas story takes place all of those things that came to pass like from the house of david all the old testament stuff isaiah prophesying of our savior to come that's what makes that story so wonderful i mean we know that Mary is a miracle on that part. Like that unto itself is like jaw dropping. But the fact that all these compounding things had to come to pass through yeah. this lineage of broken people, um, reminding people that in that grace, there was prostitutes and other people that played a role in this uh, piece that the perfect savior would come. It's also like you talked about the passion piece. One of the things that I've got a chance to, to do is, is play um, Jesus in some of uh, the areas where I've come with in regards to production value and uh, you know, the olive skin, the, the beard that I actually have going now with the long hair, long hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes that kind of, uh, you know, maybe more realistic for people to see, but like one of the things that was super hard and that I always remember in my faith was we literally did kind of use that, use the term passion of Christ in the sense that more like people associated with like Catholicism and Mel Gibson did that movie with it, but yeah. like the stations of the cross and one of the churches, when I was down in Vancouver, we did it. Um, and we did the stations where people could go and interact with it and see it play itself out. And one of the most powerful things for me, besides carrying this, you know, I'm over six foot carrying in this like 10 foot cross that then goes in this hole. And then I'm, I'm, I'm up there. Right. And just basically, you know, uh, just a loincloth and I have all these wounds and stuff on me and they've whipped me and these things the most powerful thing that I'll never forget and it made an impact in my own life was I remember watching that movie Mel Gibson put out for the first time and it came to life you know and I think Jesus mm -hmm. um, does these things with parables he paints pictures for our imagination well it stepped out of the imagination and became real that I could see it in a different context and I could see that that was my sin that held him there. And I could see those things. And so when I'm on this cross and I'm seeing people that have gone through these stations and now they're at this point and they're identifying and they're looking at it, it's like watching it 
back through a television of watching people interact and say, like, that's my sin that held him there. And that was so impactful on me, like more so than anything probably else was to say, man, these things. And so when I talk about these religious holidays, they just have something different from my testimony. Um, because sure. I think those are the pieces that there is hope in a hopeless world as we look at those things or, you know, like we talked before coming on with this, I I've got my teeth handed to me, uh, a couple of different ways already like this week and still <laughs> impending and like yeah. that you lose battles and, and it may look terrible. Like you may be in a Job moment. There's a, there's a, a part in his piece where he's like, I walked forward, but I didn't see him. I went back because maybe I, I went without his prompting and I couldn't find him. I went to the left and I still couldn't find him. You know, then maybe people identify left is I tried chants and seance and new age worship and stuff like that. And I went right. Like, obviously you go right because like you go right, you do right. That's the, the Christian thing to do, but it still didn't find him. And it's like, just then, you know, paraphrase, like, then I was refined and I was like, you know, perfect and and it was like god's there but it's so tough in some of these things that uh mm -hmm. you have to remind yourself that we can lose a battle but the war has been won and i know that we know that but you have to be reminded of that and part of that being reminded of that is these affirming things you know we always have you know prayer requests but how often are we celebrating the praise report and so that is part of that narrative of celebrating the victory and the praise report. So actually yeah. last Sunday, I had someone come up and share that um, their testimony of being healed and, and those things. And so it was just like, yeah, let's celebrate those things because the world's giving us enough. So let's celebrate. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, again, Bruce brings it back right to this, to the, why we have holidays in the first place. Right? Again, we have holidays to remember, to celebrate, to commemorate, right. Or to, to be grounded back to, to what we don't want to forget. And I think ultimately that is, you know, like I said, whether we choose to, to engage in a cultural holiday or a religious holiday, uh, the reality is like, that's, I mean, that's the whole point of, of church and of the gospel, right. Is where did, how does Jesus interact with your daily life and, and to, to the things that really matter. And I think that's the thing we have to remember, whether it's navigating a holiday, you know, or, or our own personal faith perspective is that, um, you know, it all comes back to Christ that really matters. Right. And that people are passionate about things that matter to them. And again, if somebody comes to you, you know, with, with a perspective on a holiday, right. I mean, there's, there's usually, and that's kind of part, right. He's like, you got to get to the under part of what they're really bringing. Right. Like, like, why do they love the, you know, the, the, the Christmas play so much. Right. And, you know, you know, again, you might be sitting back and you're like, man, but it's just so dry and empty and just tradition. It's not right. But, but like they have some, some, there's something under that. Right. And so, so I think ultimately, I think, you know, as we kind of draw this to a close, right. I have to say that is as we've just circled around this to say, one is just make sure that no matter what you do for holidays, I think we see that there's no right or wrong answer necessarily of what you should do or shouldn't do as a church, or, you know, how do you handle these different situations? But the number one thing is make sure that Christ is the center, right? That, that he's there, you know, and that we should celebrate. And again, God, God was good at throwing parties. I mean, I think you look through, you know, through the Bible, right? Through the gospel. I mean, there's, you know, God likes parties, right? And, and so if we, you know, we need to celebrate that and, and the holidays are a good thing, but again, how do we embrace it and keep Jesus the center of that, you know, and also like and traditions are not 
are, are a good thing. Cause they help us to remind you, remind us of what's important and ground us in those things. Um, but again, as we just talked about today, there's a lot to think through, right. And especially coming into an established church, you know, it seems like a lot of, of those traditions are centered around different holiday things. Right. And, and, and so again, just something to engage in those conversations and like, ultimately, you know, know, um, you know, ask the right questions, right. And evaluate, uh, what's, what's really important. Uh, and, and again, what you keep, what you don't, what you do, what you don't, uh, you know, how you celebrate it, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, do you, do you put Santa Claus, you know, on the stage? Like probably not, you know, that's, it's not keeping, you know, Christ the center, you know, I mean, those, again, those kinds of things. Yeah, no, I think it's good. I, I don't know that I will ever come to a part again, we are in a ever shifting culture and stuff. So how do we keep those things that, um, that we are called to do at the forefront? And so, yeah, I, I like this. Uh, we could obviously probably spend a lot more time drilling down in different facets, but glad hopefully that this was an encouragement to someone that they could see that, that as they walk through this, or maybe they're walking into a new leadership role that they can say, okay, how do we look at this and ask some of those questions with those that they're serving with? Acts 20, 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts 2028 Podcast or send us an email at acts2028podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.